Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you. We praise you and we lift you on high for who you are. And we thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and the sacrifice that he made so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have eternity with you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for you deserve it. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak to us in a powerful way, speak to our hearts and our minds so that we can be more like you, that we can be the men and women of God that you have called us to be. So Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we pray all of this in the name of your blessed and loving Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How much longer? How much more can He take? The blood and the sweat mix. And they drip. They get in His eyes. They drip from His nose. It cakes on His skin. The pain. The pain is more than any person could imagine. It surges through his entire being, not just his body. It surges through every part of his being, his mind, his emotions, his spirit. How much longer? The pain causes him to shiver, uncontrollably, violently shivering. And with every wave, the pain increases. How much more? How much longer? He desperately needs to breathe, but he knows that in the moment of pushing himself up to receive that air that he needs, he will experience another level of pain. He knows he must. He knows there's not a choice. He prepares himself. He pushes up. And he gains that breath. But there's a cost. And he shrinks back down. How much longer? The nails pull. The nails yank. The nails strain his muscles and his bones. How much longer? He is exhausted. His body cannot take much more. But the mental strain and the spiritual strain are so much more. In that moment, he realizes... That he is physically and spiritually becoming the thing that his father hates. In that moment, he is taking on the sin of the world. In that moment, for the first time in his existence, 
There's a void where his father had been. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Probably one of the most difficult and painful statements in the entirety of God's Word. There's no easy way to talk about this statement because it's that difficult. It's a weighty statement. It's a statement of agony. And it's an agony that none of us in this room will ever understand. And I'll explain that in just a moment. But it's a statement that one person in all of existence truly felt. It was not just a physical agony. It was not just a mental agony. But in that moment... There was a spiritual void that we will never be able to experience. And we should find so much gratitude in the fact that we will never know what it's like to have God the Father turn His back on us. This statement is found in Matthew 27, but I'm going to actually ask you to take your Bibles or your apps now and turn to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. If you don't have a Bible with you or an app on your device, there are Bibles in the pews. Basically, if you open right to the middle, you're going to be pretty close to the book of Psalms. Psalms is the largest book, so it's pretty easy to find. You can kind of flip back and forth in the middle of your Bible and you should be able to find it. Psalm 22 is where we're going to be. As you're turning there, we need to understand that this cry that Jesus makes in Matthew 27, 46 is not just a cry of agony for us. Because in this moment, in this statement that Jesus makes, we realize that there's great hope for us. This message starts out very heavy, but there's a beautiful hope at the end of it. There's a message of redemption in this one statement that our faith is founded on. And so, why do I ask you to turn to Psalm 22? Well, let's read the first verse of Psalm 22 and you'll understand. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Stop there. There's a reason Jesus makes this statement from the cross in Matthew 27. And it's not only because... He is crying out in agony to His Father. He is literally in that moment speaking and fulfilling a prophecy that was made a thousand years before He lived. And so let's read this prophecy. We're just going to read verses 1 uh, through 18 right now. So I want you to read with me. Look with me at Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted 
and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who seek me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From my birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All of my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. And they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. Not a very hopeful message, is it? Not a very encouraging, put a smile on your face passage, is it? But there's so much in just these first 18 verses of Psalm 22 that we should recognize. There are so many things, so many statements made in these 18 verses that will come to be fulfilled a thousand years after they were written down. And there's hope in that. You see, Jesus is quoting Psalm 22 to show us His suffering. But we needed His suffering. And here's why. Here's my big idea for this week. Here's that one thing that if you take notes or you write things down, this is that statement. He was crucified and vilified for our punishment to be satisfied. Without His punishment, without His crucifixion, without Him becoming the criminal, we could not be forgiven. You see, He was punished so that we wouldn't have to be punished. You see, every single one of us in this room, including myself, every person who has ever lived on the face of the earth, except for Jesus Himself, we all have a problem. And that problem is sin. Every single one of us, probably on a very regular basis, have actively or passively disobeyed God's perfect law. We have made the mistake or intentionally rebelled against the perfect plan that God has for us. And because of that, in the light of God's law, we are criminals. And criminals, whether you like the sound of it or not, criminals have earned a punishment, haven't they? 
None of us in this room would read a story in the news today about a criminal who had killed people and the judge let him off. None of us in this room would look at that and go, oh, what a good judge. But guys, that's exactly what God does for us. But the only reason He's able to do that, the only reason He's able to take our crimes and wipe wipe them clean, make us innocent, is because of exactly what we're reading today. Because of that one statement that we find in Matthew 27, 46, it's because of that that our punishment can go to someone else. Because Jesus took that punishment for us. You see, He was the only one who could because He lived a sinless life. Go back to that problem that we all have, that problem of sin. Jesus didn't have that problem. He never committed a single sin in His entire life. And because He was perfect, because He was completely innocent under God's law, He was the only one worthy to pay the perfect punishment for every single one of us. You see, this statement of anguish in Matthew 27 is a statement of hope for us. It's a statement of redemption for us. You see, in that moment, the New Testament makes it clear in multiple places that at that moment, Jesus literally became sin. He took all the sin of all the world of all time on Himself and became sin so that our sins could be pulled away from us and cast on Him. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for our, for our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Without Jesus becoming sin, we could not have righteousness. In that moment, He became sin. In that moment, because He became sin, momentarily God turned His back on Jesus. Now think about this for just a moment. Jesus is an eternal being. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is God. He is the Son of God. He's never known an existence apart from the presence of His Father. Can you imagine having something that you existed in that was perfect that never let you down and you've experienced that for an eternal time span and then for one moment that perfect presence is suddenly drawn away from you and it's missing that's why jesus says my god my god why have you forsaken me because in that moment he became sin and god turned his back for a moment on him. God momentarily abandoned Jesus on the cross. Just for a moment. Now here's a question though. Have you ever felt abandoned? Have you ever felt like there's no one there? 
There's no one there to help you, to support you, to provide for you. If you've ever felt like this, there's hope. There's a beautiful hope. You see, Jesus suffered in our place so that we wouldn't just be forgiven, but also so that God would look on every single one of us with favor. It's not just about being forgiven. It's about being made in the likeness of the Son of God. Think for a moment. God the Father turned His back on His Son so that He would never have to turn His back on us. Isn't that beautiful? If you live in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, you will never be alone. You will never be abandoned. There will never be that moment of saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God will always be there. He will never abandon you because He abandoned His Son on the cross for a moment. That momentary turning gave us eternal presence. Isn't that beautiful? To know that no matter what we do, no matter how bad our sins may be, God will never turn His back on us. He will always be with us. He will never abandon you. Let's look at what the rest of Psalm 22 says. We left off at verse 18, so let's pick up at verse 19. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword. My precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions and save me from the horns of the wild oxen. And I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise Him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before Him. For dominion belongs to the Lord. And He rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before Him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Prosperity will serve Him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim His righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, He has done it. Isn't it amazing how For 18 verses, we hear pain and agony and suffering. And then you go from verses 19 through 31, and it's all a message of hope. It's all a message of redemption. It's all a message of praises to the Redeemer. 
Isn't that amazing? That God takes our suffering and turns it into joy. God takes our pain and turns it into praise. And only God can do that. And it's only accessible through the blood of Jesus Christ. That perfect blood that was shed so that we could be forgiven. That perfect sacrifice that cleanses us of all the wrongs that we've ever committed. You see, we don't have to live feeling abandoned because this Bible right here, this last half of Psalm 22 promises that God will hear the cries of the afflicted. When we suffer, when we go through pain, we will be heard by God and He will be there for us. What that looks like is different for every person. Sometimes that redemption means that we go and live with Him. Sometimes that redemption means physical healing here on this earth. It's different in every situation, but the focal point of this is that ultimately we in turn praise God for it. We praise Him for His presence. And we thank Him for His provision. You see, we don't have to live in abandonment because He promises that He will rescue us. He will take us away from the pain that we experience. So live in the promise of rescue. Live your life as a child of that promise. Because believe me, other people are watching. And that brings me to how I want to wrap this message up. It's a message of hope, but it's a painful message. Let me be, let's just call it out. This is a heavy, hard-to-hear message, isn't it? That the one being in this universe that loves you the most experienced the highest level of suffering so that he could save you. That's a hard message to hear. It's a heavy message. But what do we do with this message? Knowing that Jesus Christ died on a cross to save us from our sins and that all people can be saved if they will step into a relationship with Jesus and make Him his, their Savior and their Lord and Master. Knowing that, what do we do with it? Exactly what we talked about last week. We share it. We proclaim it. Look at the way this ends. Look at the last two verses, verses 30 and 31. Prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. It's not enough for us to come on Sunday morning and listen and worship and go to a Bible study and then not proclaim that good news throughout the week. It's not enough for us to be here and be fed and watch other people die of spiritual starvation. It's not enough for us to know the hope and the redemption and know that we will never be abandoned when we see people abandoned all around us. We should be spreading this and proclaiming this to every person in our lives. You see, there are people who feel so abandoned in this world. You literally know people who feel so much pain, 
who feel so alone and so much in the dark that they will turn to anything to gain relief. They will destroy their own lives in search of relief from the pain and the feeling of abandonment. They will turn to drugs. They will turn to alcohol. They will turn to relationships that will destroy their lives. They will turn to idolatry. They will worship whatever they need to worship to feel relief. And yet we have the one and only thing that truly, truly cures that abandonment that truly gives relief to the pain. We have the one and only thing. So we're supposed to proclaim it. We're supposed to be sharing it. We're supposed to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, the hands and feet of Jesus Himself. Last week... I challenged you with a statement, a question. Who's your one? A simple question. Who's your one? Do you know, according to statistics, eight out of every ten people would go to church if they were simply invited by someone they know. Eight out of ten. That means, chances are, someone in your life is waiting to hear an invite from you to come to church. And I would dare say that that 8 out of 10 number would actually be more in the Easter season. Because how many people, let's be honest, how many people do we know go to church on Christmas and Easter? And that's it. Who's that person in your life? Who's your one? Who's that person that needs to hear the hope of Jesus Christ? Who's that one person that's feeling abandoned and needs to feel the presence and redemption of Jesus Christ? Who's your one? I challenged you last weekend. I'm challenging you again. I want you to think of one person that you can pray for that you can intentionally spend time with, that when you see them coming out their driveway to go to their car, and you would normally just kind of turn your head and go to your car and not say anything, that you intentionally stop and say, hey, Margaret, how are you today? How are the kids? I want you to know I'm praying for you. Pray for them. Intentionally spend time with them. And then look for an opportunity to say, hey, my church has got a great Easter service coming up on the 21st of April. Would you like to come with me? Why don't you bring the boys with us? I'll tell you what, you come to church with me, we'll go, I'll take you to lunch afterwards. Who's your one? The reason I use the name Margaret is because my next door neighbor is named Margaret. She has two teenage sons. And up until this point, I have not done what I've challenged you with. I walk out my door, and I see her go to her car, and I do this, and I turn and go to my car. I'm as guilty. I have fallen short just as much as anyone else. She's my one. She's my one. 
I don't know if she knows Christ. I have no clue because I have not intentionally spent time to get to know her. But this past week, I started praying for her. And I'm looking for opportunities to tell her about an Easter service that's coming up at First Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale. Will you join me in doing that? Who's your one? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much. God, we don't deserve your forgiveness, but you give it to us anyways. And because you were crucified and vilified, our punishment has been satisfied. We don't have to serve the eternal punishment that we rightly deserve, but instead we're going to get eternity with you because we love your son, Jesus. God, we pray that we would not hoard that and keep that to ourselves, but that we would go and share that with the world around us. Use us in a powerful way. Use us to bring people to you so that they won't have to suffer or feel abandoned any longer. God, we thank you so much. We thank you that ever so often we need the heaviness of your word. Lord, we thank you for this statement today. And we thank you for the hope and the redemption that is found in it. We praise you, Lord, and we lift all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to move now into a time of response. And maybe that response this morning needs to be you sitting and spending some time in prayer asking God who that one person is in your life. We're going to stand and we're going to go into worship, but if you feel called by God to not stand, sit where you're at. Because this is a time between you and your Savior. And so spend time with the Lord. If you want to come up to the altar, the altar is available to you. Come up here, pray, and spend that time with God. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and maybe you want to know more about this or maybe you're ready to say, yes, I want to make Jesus my Savior. And if that's you, myself and Pastor Josh are right here up at the front. We would love the opportunity to tell you more about what Jesus is, who He is, how He saved you. And if now's not the right time, Josh and I will be available after the service. Josh will be up here at the front. I'll be out in the foyer. We would love to talk to you if you're trying to process through what the Spirit is doing in your mind and your heart. But think about the question, who's your one? So normally I would stay, say, let's stand and worship, but let's do what God calls us to do. If you feel like standing, stand. If you feel like you need to spend some time in your seat right now praying, stay in your seat and pray. So let me say this. Let's respond to our Lord.